It's 12.09, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, an abbreviated program today. Our pre-game coverage of Game 2 between the Brewers and the Chicago Cubs. Big win for the Brewers yesterday. Starts about 12.45. Paul Joseph, the former meteorologist at Channel 4, always used to sound these memos telling everybody, don't interpret the radar. You are not a trained meteorologist, so don't do that. Well... Okay, now we all interpret the radar. Now, I don't know. A number of my colleagues are freaked out. They seem to think that this afternoon in Chicago, you're going to need Noah to build a boat. It's going to rain so hard. At the risk of interpreting the radar, I'm not necessarily seeing that, but it doesn't matter. I'm hanging around all day, so if there is a break in the game because of rain, we'll be back and continue the program. But right now, we're hoping they get the baseball game in. Yesterday, a big day. The primary elections in Wisconsin are now over. Now, according to pundits... Back in 2010, he had no chance to win, none, none at all. And then after he won in 2010, in 2016, those same pundits were saying he has no chance to win. And yet U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, I think arguably one of the more successful candidates in Wisconsin history, he, he proved him wrong both times. And we are now joined by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator Johnson, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, how are you doing? I, I am well. Um, last night. I, I saw that you were at Leah Vukmir's victory party. How good a candidate is she going to be moving forward? Well, first of all, I was at both. I, I went to Leah's okay. first, I went to Kevin's, and then I went back to the hotel room to wait for a winner to be called, and then I went to Leah because she, she obviously won. Um, I think Leah would be a great candidate. Uh, you know, one of the things I told when I introduced Leah was the story of when we first met, and, of course, neither one of us really remember it. It was about 34 years ago when my daughter had the serious heart condition, and Leah was working as a nurse for Dr. John Thomas in the intensive care unit. And Dr. John Thomas was uh, my daughter's cardiologist, and so there was no way that Leah didn't care for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from my standpoint, uh, what what voters in Wisconsin are looking for and people that uh, uh, are going to represent them are, first of all, somebody who's genuine, uh, somebody with integrity, uh, somebody that they know cares about them, and, Jeff, I don't know of a profession that says I care about people more than being a nurse. It's always ranked as the number one respected profession. That's what Leah, That's who Leah Wukmir is. She's a nurse. She cares about people. She obviously cares deeply about the state of Wisconsin. She had the courage and integrity to stand up against the mobs and put America with Governor Walker on the right track. Uh, so, again, she, she, she has that experience already showing her integrity, showing her courage. Uh, against really uh, tremendous uh, threats that uh, other lesser people would have backed down from. And her whole history is one of caring for her patients, people like my daughter Carrie, uh, for her family, for the state of Wisconsin. And she obviously cares deeply about this nation to put herself out there and try and win a U.S. Senate seat. It's not an easy thing to do, Jeff. So she's willing to do it. So, no, I think, she, I think she'll be a great candidate. She'll have a great story to tell. Wisconsinites are going to like her, and they're going to know – Somebody like Leah Vukmir, who's worked the night shift, can relate to them. His, you know, believes in the private sector, in you know, a private sector healthcare model versus a, a single payer system like uh, Tammy Baldwin pushes. It would that would literally cost the federal government an additional thirty-two trillion dollars over the next ten years. Um, now, I think Leah, she should she should be able to win this race, and you know, because I think her and Scott Walker running together are a really strong ticket. Um, Senator, I know one of the things that you've been talking about during this entire primary campaign is the need for the party to unify. 
in this campaign, there were outside groups that spent millions and millions of dollars running essentially attack ads against the respective candidates. Um, how, how important is it for the candidates to unite, for the party to unite, and do you see that happening? It's crucial, and listen, just b- based on my own a- anecdotal experience last night, going to Leah's party first before she was announced, and my message to everybody was, thank you for volunteering, thank you for working hard for Leah, I know who you want to win, but regardless of the outcome, tomorrow it's a whole new day, we'll have our candidate, and if it's Kevin, you got to unite behind him, and everybody said, absolutely, totally understand the Senator. Went over to, to Kevin's camp, same exact message, thank you for coming out, now it's time to unify behind our candidate, whether it's Kevin, whether it's Lee, and they said, 100% agree. No doubt about it, you, you got our word on that. So I, I didn't hear anybody say they weren't going to unite behind our eventual candidate. Now that candidate is, is uh, Leah, chosen fairly and squarely. Uh, and, and by the way, I think in general it was a pretty high-integrity race. You know, the, the, the ads that weren't positive were really just showing either Leah or Kevin saying things they said, and both candidates going to have to defend what they said. So I, personally, I, didn't, I, I realize a lot of people say that's really negative. Uh, Listen, when you're laying out what somebody actually says, uh, to me that's not a positive ad, but I don't think either candidate would have come out of this primary particularly bruised. I, I don't think uh, you know the, the ads that were run against Leah are really going to particularly hurt her in this campaign. They shouldn't uh, because the, the decision Republicans, the Wisconsinites, have to make is, is pretty, pretty stark and pretty clear. You've got a conservative that is going to rely on the private sector that is literally a citizen legislator. You know, she's a nurse. First and foremost, Lee is a nurse and a mom. Uh, Tammy Baldwin is the epitome of a career politician that I think the voters of Wisconsin are going to start asking. She's been in office a long time. What has she ever accomplished? Uh, she might have a hard time answering that question, just like Russ Feingold had the same problem uh, in, in his three elections against me. Okay, you've been a career politician, but what did you actually ever do that was positive, that worked? Senator, one of the things that I think hurt Republicans six years ago, a a multi-candidate primary, uh, former Governor Tommy Thompson, of course, ended up winning. But because of all the resources that were used in the primary, his campaign was essentially dormant for the better part of a month. And Tammy Baldwin swooped in and kind of took momentum that they never got back. Do do you think this year Republicans are going to hit the ground running like starting two or three hours ago and avoid what happened, say, six years ago? Uh, that's certainly my intention. I told Lee I'll work my tail off. I'll do anything the campaign asked me to do. And if that's uh, helping provide resources, uh, I mean, getting out there and I offered to drive Lee around the state. I think we just might do that Saturday, uh, go to a number of victory centers, you know, drive her around like I drove myself around. Um, you know, she's put on 80,000 miles on a car during this primary. So she's worked her tail off. She's going to continue to work her tail off. I'm willing to do it. I think a lot of people are. Senator, let me switch gears. Let's talk. Let's let's move to one of the big things that's going to be going on in the U.S. Senate this fall. I, I see that the confirmation hearings for um, Judge Kavanaugh are scheduled for September fourth. When we talked before, you appeared relatively confident that there was going to be a vote before the November elections. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I would bet a large amount of money if I was a betting man, saying, "Yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh before the election." Uh, this, this is something that uh, Mitch McConnell, this is really his, his passion. Uh, let's restore the courts to the way our founders envisioned them, with judges, not super legislators. Chuck Rassley has been an excellent chairman. I think he's proving that right now, pushing back on, on really the false claims of people like uh, Chuck Schumer 
you know, the, the hypocritical claims. And so, no, I, I'm, I'm going to meet with Judge Kavanaugh here, uh, I think, 4.30 this afternoon. Uh, he's a person of real integrity. Uh, very difficult for any Republican to vote against him, I would think. And as long as we remain united because of, you know, Harry Reid changing the, the Senate forever with his nuclear option, the minority really has no ability to block uh, any nominee at this point in time. So as long as Republicans are united, and it sounds like we are, Rand Paul has just said he's going to vote for him. I haven't really heard uh, either Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski say anything bad about him. Uh, again, he's such a person of integrity. His, his family background is wonderful, and he's a judge. You know, he's got a long record that, uh, you know, it's pretty unassailable, quite honestly. He's, he's interpreted the law. And uh, you know, as a result, I don't like some of his decisions because I don't like some of the laws he's interpreted and applied rather than altered. And that's what I, all I'm looking for. That's what most Republicans are looking for in a, in a judge is a judge, not a super legislator, not a judicial activist. Yes, Senator, that's one of the things that struck me because I've been trying to follow this from afar. And here you have somebody who has a lengthy re- legal record as an attorney and, and then later on as a judge. And, and understandably, he has a conservative bent. But I... I'm not seeing any sort of smoking gun, anything out there that would suggest that he is somehow unqualified to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. It's so it's like so many other of uh, President Trump's nominees for office. They're, they're just people of an unimpeachable character. I mean, they're just excellent choices. And here again, like like Judge Gorsuch, who could really you know Democrats are going to complain because they've got to they've got to you know play into their base. But I mean, any reasonable human being that's being honest would have a real difficult time assailing the character of Judge Kavanaugh. He's just, a, I mean, his family background is just wonderful. He's just a, he's just a great person, and he's a great judge. Senator, let's, uh, obviously the, the, the tariff battle continues, and I know we've spoken about this before. At the end of last week, you had uh, President Trump, uh, again, kind of what I would describe as sort of picking a fight with great local company, Harley-Davidson, um, where do you see this this going? I know you're not a particular fan of trade wars. No, and, and listen, I, I agree with what President Trump is trying to do. Uh, he really is trying to push the envelope. Other presidents have tried, had some success, but America's been very generous. People have taken advantage of it. China's the main problem, but President Trump is trying to achieve fair and complete reciprocal treatment in terms of trade. Now, it's hard to do. Uh, my concern is, you know, what is the strategy? And the longer this plays out, the damage that's being done, uh, more, more and more of it's going to be permanent. And so I, I'm just fulfilling my responsibility. I don't want to undermine the president trying to achieve his goals. But at the same time, I think it's very important that I point out, here's what is actually happening. You have to understand that. His trade representatives have to understand this is the harm being done to farmers that have spent decades trying to open up markets that they could be losing. The, the lack of competitiveness of, of Wisconsin manufacturers to their global uh, competitors. The administration has to be aware of that, and they are. It's one of the reasons President Trump proposed a $12 billion aid package for farmers, which I hope never has to be implemented, because I hope we conclude the trade deals on NAFTA with Europe so we can really focus our attention on the primary abuser, which is China, which has, steal, has stolen hundreds of billions of dollars worth of our industrial intellectual property, our military secrets, they're the ones abusing the, 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 the world trading system. And the only way I think we can affect that, that outcome is if the united front of the rest of the trading world. Uh, Senator, I, kn- I know you're busy and you've got to go by. I have one other question. Um, as, as you return to the U.S. Senate, are, are, we going, are we going to be able to avoid a government shutdown over the course of the next few weeks? Oh, well, first of all, you understand, Jeff, you can't shut the government right. down. You know, 90-some percent, no matter what, we, if we do nothing – 
95, 90% of it is deemed essential or for national security, and it just keeps being you know, funded regardless. Uh, we are passing appropriation bills. The House has passed them. The Senate is passing them. So hopefully the president will sign these things, and we will have already funded the vast majority of government anyway. Uh, I don't like shutdown politics because it just creates greater uncertainty, injects it into the economy, and I think the, the hallmark achievement of this administration is We've restored some certainty. We stopped adding to the regulatory burden. We made our tax system competitive. We restored certainty and optimism to the economy. So a government shutdown would insert uncertainty. The whole trade war and tariff thing is, is inserting uncertainty, which we need to, again, that's why we need to conclude these trade deals. Senator Johnson, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I hope to get a chance to speak to you again pretty soon. Have a great day. Take care. That is the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Let's take a quick break. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Brewer Baseball pregame coverage coming up in about 20 minutes or so. If you want some of my thoughts about the election, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've sent out a, a number of tweets about last night's uh, election. Here, I mean, here's the top line. First of all, Drew, who produces the show today and always, all my predictions, nailed them, got everyone right. Now, I, I don't necessarily take that much pride in it because I don't think it was – I don't think it was really that hard to see. I mean, you had Republican, the Republican establishment voters came home, selected Leah Vukmir. You had the, the Democratic candidates for governor, Tony Evers, um, who quite candidly, I, I think is about as uninspiring a candidate as you can find. But um, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. About two weeks ago, you, you had the Marist poll that did a head-to-head between Evers and Governor Walker, and it had Evers ahead by 10 or 11 points. To me, that that sucked any air out of any sort of insurgency campaign because you have Democrats who want to beat Governor Walker, so they see this poll and they say, oh, Evers is ahead. That took away any incentive to vote for anyone else, and I I think in that respect it kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy, even though I candidly believe Evers is one of the weaker candidates, and he, he falls in that same category of some of the other people who have run against Governor Walker over the years. Some of the big losers in the Democratic primary for governor, Matt Flynn, Paul Soglin, uh, both with 5 and 6% of the vote, respectively, a rejection of the old guard. Mike McCabe, 7% of the vote. None of those people were able to move the needle. Kelda Roy's who ran unsuccessfully for Congress against Mark Pocan. Now she runs, and she was, this, you want to talk about this whispering campaign? You, you heard all this, oh, Kelda Royce, is, she's a liberal female from Madison. She's going to be the one that's going to take on Governor Walker. She's the future generation, et cetera, et cetera. She got 13% of the vote. She just never actually moved the needle. And remember, she's the one that took out the $235,000 second mortgage on her house to presumably plug that money into the campaign, ouch, that has got to leave a mark. Malin Mitchell, who ran second to Tony Evers, but a distant second with 17% of the vote, he had the support of, of all these unions that united and put together all this money. The unions are a big loser in that as well, but nobody really came close to Tony Evers, and I guess we're going to have to decide. To me, Tony Evers, he, he's... He is not going to be inspiring. Matt Flynn, I think Matt Flynn got almost everything wrong. His campaign was a complete and total flop, but um, he is the guy that about a week ago said that he thought Scott Walker would eat Tony Evers for lunch. 
I think Flynn might be on to something in that regard. But the race is set. It's going to be Evers and Walker moving forward. I've got some more thoughts about the election, and I'll share them in just a minute or two. It's 1228. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Brewers Baseball, coming up in just a couple minutes. We'll spend more time on this during tomorrow's program, or if uh, there is any sort of rain delays, I'm certainly hoping that that is not the case. Want to get this ball game in, want to get a big Brewers win. But a couple random thoughts on some of the local elections. Uh, Richard Schmidt, who took over after David Clark, just got whomped, just, just got whomped by former Milwaukee police detective Ernell Lucas. That was not a surprise. Many of us called it. What happened was actually the, the, the liberal elite in Milwaukee kind of came together to reject Richard Schmidt, who was, I think, haunted by the ghost of David Clark. Um, and in a Democratic primary, Schmidt really had, had no chance. You had a, a lot of the, you know, pro-open borders groups that united behind him. You had, again, a, a lot, with the exception of Chris Abley, you had a lot of the, the beautiful liberal elite in Milwaukee who united behind Erna Lucas. It will be interesting to see where this goes because, I mean, the sheriff, I, I candidly thought Richard Smith has done a very, very good job of getting the sheriff's office back to where it needs to be. I hope Ernell Lucas can re- re- resist the urge to decide to, again, take that office in a political way. But it was kind of predictable. A couple of things that might not have been predictable. Well, two state assembly races. Um, Josh Zepnik, who was the very, very troubled state representative, um, he ended up going down to defeat. No surprise there. He only got about 35% of the vote. What was, I think, a surprise is that Fred Kessler, Fred Kessler, gosh, he's got to be pushing 80. I think he's 78. He has been an institution in far left-wing Milwaukee politics going back to the 60s. He's held this... He's held this assembly seat for for years. Then he was a Milwaukee County Circuit Judge. Then he went back to the assembly seat. Um, he was beaten by a, a relative upstart, backed interestingly by Chris Abley, uh, Lakeisha Myers. I don't think um, I don't think Kessler saw it coming. I don't think too many pundits saw it coming. But Fred Kessler's career, um, a lengthy career, uh, again as a voice of the kind of far left in Milwaukee, kind of comes to uh, a sudden. End after the election yesterday. Also, interesting, State Assembly District 16. Why do you care about that? Well, the, the Gwenmore nepotism train apparently only goes so far. Um, if you might, if you recall, her son, Supreme Moore Omokundi, who was one of the guys um, involved years and years ago where you had the tire slashing thing with the Republican uh, Party van, he was running for State Assembly. He, he ran second, lost a close race, got 34% of the vote, but the uh, ultimate winner, winner got 37%. So the Gwenmore, uh, again, political, uh, the, the political legs, it, it did not quite extend to her son. So it, it, it's sort of interesting. I think most of the elections, most of the races, I think, were, were pretty predictable. It will be interesting to see now what happens in the U.S. Senate race. As I mentioned with Senator Johnson when we were talking a few minutes ago, one of the things that happened six years ago is after a contested primary, former Governor Thompson comes out, he wins, but um, he has no money. The campaign is essentially dark for the better part of a month. Tammy Baldwin swoops in well, and, and then gains momentum that was never overcome. 
I hope Leah Vukmir does not make that same mistake. And I also hope that some of the outside money that decided to play in Wisconsin in support of Kevin Nicholson, I hope they realize that the ultimate prize is defeating Tammy Baldwin, and they're willing to spend money on behalf of Leah Vukmir. We will see. Okay, I am out of time. I'm hanging around in case there is a rain delay. Game two, Brewers and Cubs, they're two games back. Pre-game coverage starts in just a couple minutes. Have a great Wednesday. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.